Welcome to the E-Drumming Radio Podcast, where we feed our addiction for E-Drumming and virtual drum technology. Virtual Addiction. And now your host, Brian Edward Baker. All right, man. Dylan, welcome to the E-Drumming Radio Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Brian. Hey, man, right on, yeah. So I wanted to invite you because of uh, you know you've got a studio and you've got a, a knee drum set up in your in your studio and uh, you've kind of been doing this for a while. So the fact that we kind of met before we're friends, I just maybe kind of want to just invite you on and you get the uh, the luck of being my first interview and hopefully one of many. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm excited to be here. Hopefully, I've uh, paved the way for other good artists to come come on through. Right on, right on, man. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you being here. So I'm just going to go ahead and dig right in, man. Uh, so let's get into your origin story. Um, so what's your backstory, man? Tell us about yourself and where you're from. Well, so I come from a super podunk town in the middle of Iowa called Center Point. Uh, I think there was like 500 people max as the population. So, um, you know, I I grew up with uh, everyone listening to, you know, like good old dad rock bands like ACDC and uh, Def Leppard and all that stuff. And, you know, I, uh, my uncle played in a band in the neighboring town. Um, he played in a band called Sonic Holiday. They mostly did uh, like covers and stuff like that. But it was a really good introduction to music for me. And um, being exposed to that and um, just everyone's... Uh, yeah, everyone in the family seemed to be into music, but only my uncle really played it. So I was exposed to music early on and didn't really know what it meant until I started getting into my teens, started developing my own taste in music, uh, getting into more aggressive metal bands and stuff like that, and fi- finding a very small niche community because of you know the small-mindedness of Iowa. There's not very many people who are into extreme metal bands, so... Um, when I started finding those people, it was nice, but you know, this appreciation for music at the time in my early teens didn't quite seem like enough. I, I kind of wanted to like participate, I suppose. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I couldn't really play any instruments. I had a guitar at the time, but you know, this was before YouTube and a lot of really, really good learning outlets. I hadn't really paid for a teacher at the time. So I, you know, there's only enough smoke on the water that I can play before I get <laughs> yeah. before I get a little fed up with it. And so, uh, you know, I started being that I was listening to um, all of these uh, metal bands and uh, deathcore projects and stuff like that. I started, I guess, trying to emulate the sound of the vocals that uh, the lead singers were doing and uh, just kind of practicing screams and stuff like that. I figured. You know, I, going into it, I thought to myself, well, anyone can scream, right? And that is absolutely not the case. It took probably about like a year or two to develop that. And with that being my only talent, I started doing vocals for uh, a couple of deathcore projects that were in the, the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area. Uh-huh. And uh, slowly realized that after about three songs into a practice or a set, my head would just start throbbing. And I, I couldn't continue. It was just giving me the worst headaches ever. So I said to myself, there's got to be another way here. Um, how can I keep participating in music? I, I mean, you know, ultimately, I'm sure I was just screaming improperly. <laughs> and uh-huh. that was leading what to the headaches. But I said to myself, you know, this this just isn't working out for me. I got to find some other method of uh, 
participating in this music. So I started playing bass guitar, started playing guitar, joined a couple other bands that were more um, just kind of like abstract psychedelic rock projects. And uh, that led me to my project that I started in 2014 called Pixis Prima. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the other person in the band who was playing uh, drums and lead guitar, I, I was just doing bass, but he was also a producer. So we tracked out our first five song EP in his basement. He uh, kind of introduced me to the world of production, gave me my first mixer that had like phantom power on it, taught me what an XLR cable was, taught me the difference between condensers and dynamics and just kind of introduced me to the world maybe a whole whopping four months before I left Iowa and came to, to Colorado. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, I was so excited to have all this new knowledge of recording and I started inviting people over to the house. I got probably like four actual tracks recorded of other people's. And I said to myself, this is it. This is my niche. This is the pocket that I need to sit in because you know, I, I like playing bass, I like playing guitar, but production was where I shined. And even with this crappy little mixer from the 1980s, I was still producing better quality demos than I was hearing from a lot of people, because in, in Iowa, no one really has a studio. Most people are just, they'll set their cell phone down and take a video and then just rip the uh, the audio off of that video, and it just sounds like it was recorded on a potato. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I said to myself, maybe recording is where I found my home. And so for the first few years in Colorado, that's just kind of what I, I spent my time doing. And um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of what brought me into this whole world of things was just a progression of which instrument fits me better. Well, none of them. It's uh, behind a mixing board that, <laughs> that I find my, uh, where I shine. Oh, right on. Yeah, that's great. That's great. My story was a little bit similar. I mean, I, I started out on a four track like forever ago. I hate to say the date, you know, but it was like probably 90. Oh my gosh. Uh, probably 96. I think. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, four track and, uh, in analog recording and, and then, you know, kind of grew from there, but that's awesome. So when you decided to get into recording, man, like, so what did you, what did you wish to achieve? Like, uh, both professionally and on a personal level, like for yourself. So when I first started, it was like, you know, take the excitement of when you first, when you learn a song on the first instrument that you start playing, take that excitement and amplify it times about 10. That's where I was at. Like my first two finished tracks, they sounded awful. There was so much peaking in the, in the audio. Cause it was done all through analog and it was terrible, but I was just so happy to see what I was accomplishing. And so from then on, you know, I, I was maybe like 18, 19 years old. And I'm saying to myself, why would I keep working as a dishwasher in a kitchen when if I get good enough at this, I could probably do this full time. Yeah. And so, you know, professionally, I wanted to be a producer full time. But living in Iowa, that was absolutely not going to happen there. It was dead end jobs as far as the eye could see. And there was no lucrative industries of any kind, especially in the industry entertainment industry uh-huh. um so uh moving to colorado where the uh the showbiz scene is i mean you know it's not hollywood but we're at least getting 
tons of bluegrass artists and Grateful Dead cover bands out here. <laughs> so, you know, I figured there'd be a little bit more clientele to work with, uh, people that are probably wanting to put out some serious records. And so, you know, at I, I went into this whole thing saying I'm going to do this full time, but ended up kind of starting to work some dead end jobs just to pay the bills while I was uh, trying to find some artists to record independently. Right on, right on, yeah. And what about like your goals personally? Like, was it just you just wanted to do that? You know. So i I wanted to uh, I wanted to kind of stray away from my own personal art. Uh, I kind of stopped writing music myself. I stopped, I kind of stopped playing for a few years, in fact. Um, And it was mostly just because I wanted to focus on my skills as a producer. And that was kind of where I was at on a personal level where I was like, you know, my, my personal creativity is not where my goals are right now. I want to make other people's creativity shine. Oh, that's cool. So you're kind of like serving others kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's cool. So what did you, what did you try in the past? Uh, you know, that didn't work. And, you know, what did you learn from that? So honestly, it was my biggest roadblock with this whole thing was, uh, it, at least just getting into it was, um, just using, um, analog methods. Uh, I, I was, like I said, I think the year was like 2014. I had been recording for probably six months and it was going well for me until, you know, six months in, I'm still using audacity. I'm still using this 1980s mixer. I'm still, I've got a decent condenser microphone, but I'm just not getting the sound that I wanted to get. So, you know, my, the thing that got in the way the most was having to rethink my entire process and saying, okay, so these analog tracks into the world's worst AW audacity that you can just download straight from google um so this is limiting me and this is limiting the the quality of content that i can bring to other people that are you know potentially going to be paying me in the future so i had to i think it all changed when i got my very first imac and i got a usb audio interface (laughs) and it all just became so much easier from there Right. Because I was able, like, you know, for example, when you're using a mixer, an analog mixer, you're going to get your levels right. And, you know, you're talking, say you're doing like a, a, a vocal tracking. Um, and, and you're using the cheapest DAW to do this, right? So you're thinking, going into the recording, okay, excellent. So I've got my levels right, it's all sounding good. And you maybe even throw like a little bit of reverb on there that just some stock custom um, or some stock, uh, effects that are on your mixer. Okay. Yeah. You get through what you think is the best vocal take of your life. And then only to hear that there are so many peaks in the audio because you started singing a little bit louder than you had anticipated. (laughs) And now you're stuck with this because being limited to, uh, a DAW that doesn't have very much or editing, um, capabilities, and having this mixer that didn't convert your audio levels into a digital format, you can't really tweak it on afterwards. You just have to accept the take that you got. And once I got into using stuff like, even GarageBand was a major step up from Audacity. And then from GarageBand, I stepped up onto Logic. But having the 
the post-production um, editing capabilities w- was just a godsend. It, it changed yeah. everything for me. Yeah, yeah. And then probably your audio interface, like uh, in the, did, you, did you switch from the mixer to an audio interface to get better preamps, or how did you go about yeah, so I basically I got about the most simple audio interface you could get, which is just a PreSonus audio box two channel. Um, and so I got that. The other thing that was a roadblock was I bought that before I got the iMac. Uh, tried to plug it into my Windows 8 PC and <laughs> just had the worst trouble trying to find drivers for this thing. It just would not work. Yeah. I couldn't see, I, even when I downloaded the drivers, I couldn't seem to get it to register in studio one, which I had a copy of at the time. Uh. And once I switched over to that iMac, because I wasn't too tech savvy at the time, this was years before I started my career in it. And once I got that iMac, everything was just plug and play. I yeah. put in the US, put in the USB cable, opened up GarageBand, and it recognized the audio interface. <laughs> no, no driver installation necessary no investigation, no troubleshooting, none of that. It was just <laughs> right. good to go. And I was like, wow, I wish I would have just saved up the like $1,200 that this cost me earlier because I would have been in such a uh, a better place. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so safe to say you're probably a Mac guy when it comes to music stuff then, yeah? It is, and you know, it, it's here's the, the reason why. And I, I take a quote from uh, one of my old managers that I had at IBM when I was working there. He said, I work in IT and I fix com- other people's computers all day. So when I go home, I just want my computer to work. <laughs> and I said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm all for the customization of uh, Windows uh, computers or, you know, Linux, if you're that kind of weirdo. But um, Mac is just like Apple products just are they're designed to just work. And in an environment where, you know, I'm using my DAW to write, I'm using it to produce other people's music. I don't want there to be any roadblocks. I don't want there to be anything stopping me yeah. from just getting to work. And <laughs> right. so that, that's what, um, the Mac did for me. And it was a, it was a relatively inexpensive piece to my now tens of thousands of dollars that I've invested into the studio, but right. I, I feel like it's essential for most people because, I mean, there, there's tons of people that can get great recordings from less expensive gear, mm-hmm. but it's just sometimes there's workarounds that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you got wor- to actually try to get your stuff working when you can just pay for convenience <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah and being a fellow it guy i think we can we, you know, we can agree on that like so i work on uh, windows boxes all day too in the cloud but the the joy of being able to walk into your studio and turn it on and just go to work mm-hmm. with that without without issues has always been one of my uh one of my things that's not to say that you can't have a great windows box too and exactly. uh, and i'm sure in fact i think for the linux guys out there there is a total there's a completely uh, there's a Linux recording operating system. It's like the whole OS is a studio. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's like 
4M Linux or something like that? Something. Don't know. I'm not a Linux guy. I'm not going to claim to be, but it, it, <laughs> I, I have seen it. And uh, it was all through like a buddy of mine had a computer and was trying to troubleshoot issues on Windows. And I was like, you know, you could turn that into a Linux box and then get this OS that I found on, you know, Google. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's especially with Windows, with there being so much bloatware right out of the box, and it's just, it's it's a relatively simple um, user format, but it's just there's too many bells and whistles. Um, Right, right. Especially with like Mac OS, it's just it's right there. There's your desktop. You got a a settings folder, and even with each OS upgrade, it's still pretty much the same format and yeah so the silver lining there is like if you if you do use mac you kind of don't have to worry so much about the roadblocks that you're talking about you know you exactly kind of move on right right well hey i'm going to switch gears here i'm going to go into uh, okay. the next section so so basically like so i understand you, you know you had all those things that that kind of uh were there for you what you wanted to do professionally and personally and then you you kind of you ran into some roadblocks. So what was your, uh, your calling, if you will, or your reason that made you start your journey? You know, I think it was just that I hadn't found my place. I, I was playing instruments, still didn't feel like it was the right thing. Didn't feel like I was advancing as fast as I should have been. It wasn't clicking with me. And I just felt like, you know, like I, I was drawing, I was doing all kinds of other forms of art, but it just wasn't as fulfilling. So I knew that if I didn't pursue this thing that was bringing me so much joy, that I was going to miss out on a very strong feeling of satisfaction and purpose. And I, I felt like it was just going to strip me of my happiness if I didn't go for it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like just uh, just staying wherever you were and not not jumping in. So go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think one of my biggest fears is stagnance. I don't want to stay in the same spot. I, I, I love constant change and I love um, the evolving process. Right. Okay. Okay. So that journey then being for you was just kind of going from whatever dead end job you had into like, you know, I don't really want to get into music production and yeah. 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 Cause you know, it's but before I found this whole thing, it was like, you know, my highlight of my day was, okay, cool. I just got done washing dishes all day. I guess I'm going to go home and play Halo or, you know, what, whatever <laughs> right. video games like, Woo, that's my highlight of my day. Instead it's, I'm coming home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to mix the two guitar tracks that Matt just laid down. I'm going to um, switch over to this other track and um, you know, I'm going to fix the peaks in this thing that, James laid down or whoever just came into the studio. And it's like, I get to sit down onto a project that I'm going to see an end result from, and I'm going to be able to, you know, I kind of said this early on is recordings kind of leave a legacy. You can always Mm -hmm. say, Oh, so-and-so was a really good guitar player. Did they ever record an album? No. And so you just have stories to give as opposed to check out this recording that so-and-so did a while back. And you can listen to how good of a, uh, a guitar player they were. And I love the fact that I can provide these legacies to people through my recordings. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to talk about it and think about it. Yeah, like like it's kind of like a snapshot in time, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So as you took off on this journey, um, were, what were the roadblocks or big challenges, if you will, in the beginning? Like just because I know everyone kind of goes to this point where they're getting started and they don't know what they don't know, right? 
So, mm-hmm. so they like, they hit things inevitably that like really just, you know, you got an idea, you take off on that journey and then you, you run into the first wall. What were your walls, man? So dead end jobs are the biggest killer of creativity, especially for me. Um, there's nothing more discouraging than, you know, breaking a, breaking a sweat all day long, working, working your butt off to come home to, you know, little pay that's going to go towards your passion. Like for me, it was my production stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, if I just get, uh, you know, this piece of audio gear, if I can get this condenser microphone, if I can get this addition to my computer setup or whatever, I can get better quality recordings. And after a while it was, you know, making minimum wage, you're not going to be able to afford that studio gear that you want. Um, it's going to kill your creativity. You're going to think, man, I'm going to be saving up for four months to buy this thing that could take me, you know, perhaps two paychecks at this other job. And so it it was really just a lack of funding that, that was starting to kill it. And I think, you know, um, I I got a a good position where I was at at Harmony, where you and I met, where... (laughs) I was making a little bit more than minimum wage, but just barely more than that. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So it was, it was basically just trying to find a means of, uh, of funding my passion. And that, that was the real, real big roadblock that stopped me. Okay. All right. So if you had not succeeded, what was at stake in your mind at that point in your life then? Uh, just kind of what I was saying earlier, I just felt like if, if I didn't do this, it was going to make me unhappy. It was going to completely strip me of all of my purpose that I had for myself. Um, I wasn't going to be able to express my creativity the way that I wanted to, because I knew I can play bass, I can play guitar, I can draw, I can do whatever, uh, you know, all of these other outlets that I have for my creativity, but it doesn't provide me the same satisfaction that it does with having a piece of audio that you can listen to over and over again and say, I did this for someone, you know, and, you know, regardless of whether I was paid or not, that's what was bringing me that, that great feeling of achievement. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. So, so, uh, you know, you and I've got a history. We're friends. It goes back a ways. And um, like, I don't, I don't want to get into like a toot my own horn horn scenario, but I do want to kind of get into like how things changed for you and like what, you know, what, what happened. Right. So, so um, just, just if you, if you don't mind talking about it a little bit, like maybe just to kind of what the new opportunity was in your life, like who or what, you know, what, what brought you that big aha moment and, you know, can you go into that a little bit for me? Well, feel, feel free to toot your own horn because it's absolutely <laughs> you. It's absolutely you that changed the whole direction of this thing. Cause, uh, you know, I, I have this very, very vivid memory of having like this crisis and I'm just, I'd been searching online all day for, um, music production schools that were in the front range area. Um, what it's like to actually become a full-time producer, what it's like to go the traditional route of getting a two to four year degree from, you know, Berkeley or whatever other university mm-hmm. having a, having a two plus year unpaid internship just to work in someone else's studio, not owning your own or anything like that. Being someone's employee, you have to go through 
all of these trials and tribulations. And right. I just remember freaking out and talking to my coworker saying, I'm, I'm going to be working my fingers to the bone just to try to record someone else's songs. And I don't know what I'm going to do because, you know, I, I'm not making any money here. I'm never going to be able to move out of my parents' house and I'm never going to be able to afford the gear that I want. And now it's starting to look like I'm not going to be able to have this job as a, like a successful producer. <laughs> and you had just started it at this company, maybe like, gosh, and like, I don't even think it was a month before that. Yeah. And all of a sudden you were walking down the hall and you just kind of stepped in. I think you overheard and you said, Hey, I don't mean to eavesdrop, but can I lend some, some advice here? And I was like, absolutely. I'll take anything at this point. <laughs> right. And this was like the first actual conversation that you and I had ever had together. And mm -hmm. you just got to teaching me about, you know, I think the first thing you said was, well, how do you feel about computers? And I was like, well, I use one all, all the time to do my production stuff. And, you know, I, I guess it, it's never been, too, too hard for me to operate a computer. And you're like, well, what do you, what would you feel about doing this kind of stuff as, you know, a living something right. that you could focus on technology and do something that you can actually enjoy or maybe not so much enjoy, but tolerate, tolerate more than scrubbing toilets. Um, <laughs> which, that's just about anything at that point would have gotten me there. But, and he's just said, um, I, it was uh, during that conversation that you had uh, introduced me to Joseph Campbell, and I think he's the one that's uh, that goes into the hero's journey. And yeah, you let me borrow a DVD from Joseph Campbell, and it just put everything into perspective. And I'm like, you know, I found, and um, I think you've talked about this in your other podcast and mentioned this catchphrase, but following your bliss. Mm. Um, I had. This this whole conversation that you and I had had this day had kind of given me an epiphany of, so I've already found my bliss, and that's production. But in order to follow this bliss, you have to take calculated steps to make sure that it goes right. And um, uh, one of the best ways that I could have achieved this was getting a lucrative career that would have afforded me my instruments and my my sound gear, would pay the rent... I could afford to move out of my parents' house into a property that had a designated studio space to it. And I would be a heck of a lot further than I would be if I was just like, all right, time to apply to Berkeley and slave away four years of my life to hopefully make it in this industry. Right. <laughs> and it's like, instead of that, what I got is a good successful career that I can tolerate and do day to day and it's not going to burn me out like housekeeping would have. And I can on the side actively record people, not wait to actively record people in someone else's studio, but I was able to buy all of my studio gear myself, yep. not on a loan, just straight out of my pocket because of the lucrative career that I had gotten. Right. Um, and on my days off, I'm having, various different artists in here. I'm actually finishing projects now. I'm inspired to finish these projects because the, the audio that I'm getting now sounds so much better than it did before I got into this career that afforded me um, all of my gear. And yeah, 
And it, it was just, it wasn't so much like making a sacrifice, but coming to terms with reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So going back to that last question about, about me there, and I mean, you're too much. Obviously, I'm not worthy. It's like, I'm just a dude, right? I, I, what happened that day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect if you don't mind if I go back, was, yeah, absolutely. was I've been playing drums for like almost 30 years now, and I've been through this whole recording school thing and chasing that dream and playing music. And there were times where music was great and there and, and helped pay the bills a lot, and there was times that I wasn't doing so great. And uh, I heard another guy talking about music, and of course that piqued my interest. And then I heard you, you were talking about the struggle of how am I going to get from point A to point B. And I just thought, you know, I should just mind my own damn business and go back in here and shut this door and do my IT crap, you know, for that current boss I had. And mm -hmm. But part of me was like, you know, no, I need to actually – I felt like, I don't know, compelled to say, hey, man, have you ever thought about – I think the words at the time were, have you ever thought about working in IT? Mm -hmm. And 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 you were like, you know, and then we talked about the computers and and you know aptitude for that. And he said, you were you were in housekeeping. I had no idea what your life was like, and I hardly even knew who you were. And uh, you know, I think that that uh, I think that speaks a little bit. You know, I mean, it's not that that I helped you. It's just that I felt like there's a person here that's obviously in pain and suffering and needs something. And you know, you could have told me to eat shit. Well, I should. I, I try to keep this clean, sorry. But you could have told me. You could have told me, like you know, to just go away. But you know, you didn't. You were willing to listen. I thought that was great, and it's it's great that you know you were able to get into a career and learn, and able to afford it. You know that thing. And I mean, that's that's really just breaking the logjam loose. I think is is when you're stuck and you don't have enough funds to afford the gear. You either got to go for used gear and you know, you're shortening the time to launch, you know, you're mm -hmm. shortening the amount of time it takes by, by going out and making more money somewhere else in a different way. I think that's a, I think what you did was great. I think it was a good thing, you know? Well, thank you. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't for me, you know, to be like, Oh yeah, I thought this, I got this guy to do, you know, you took the action and that's what matters. But you know, with, with you having been there to even nudge me in the right direction, it, it, made everything so clear and it was just like it opened so many doors that had been locked up until that point and like i don't be saying this whole uh like i'm not worthy thing i wrote a paper in college about you for uh <laughs> god i think it was english class they were like write this four page paper on your biggest life-changing event and i was like oh i know exactly what it is no second thought into it it was when brian showed me the way in it and you know, it, it's just my life has gotten so much better since I not necessarily gave up the idea of being a full time producer, but gave up the idea that that was literally the only way that it could have gone. And I was so convinced that if I didn't become a, a full time employee at some uh, production company, wherever, that I was going to fail. And you helped me to see that. No, no, no. That's not failure. That's just one method into this crazy world that is production and music. You can do it many ways. And you showed me kind of the, the smarter way to do it so I didn't get burned. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm blushing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, and that and the epiphany then was that you're able to get a, a, a better, more stable career and follow your bliss. And, and, I, and I will reiterate my belief in the whole Joseph Campbell thing is that 
um, and he once said, because you, know, you, you hear that Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and you hear like, follow your bliss and you think, oh, I should just go be a producer, period. And just, you know, whatever, be a drummer, a guitar player, a singer. And and no one talks about like, actually, it's like following your blisters, right? Because you, you're going to hit roadblocks. <laughs> you're going to have problems, you know, and, uh, and nothing's ever going to go just the way you want the first time. You know, there's going to be challenges, right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I don't know, man. I I I feel like it's still an up and down. And so coming back to where you're at, you've got a side hustle now. You've got a job and a side hustle. And do you have plans to uh, do this full time in the future or or what are your what's your thoughts on that? So right now, um, my biggest thing is just building a portfolio. I have not launched this whole studio thing as like, um, you know, what you're doing with like the Brian Edward Baker.com thing and just getting your name out there. I have so much respect for that because, um, you know, I have not taken that leap yet. I'm still waiting for the right moment. And, you know, maybe that's my downfall, but, um, you know, I don't have a solid portfolio that I can show people yet. I'm still not comfortable with mastering. Um, I can do a decent mix, uh, but typically it's like, once we get to that point, I'm like, all right, you're going to have to find a mastering engineer because I'm not going to be able to help you here, bud. <laughs> but, right. Um, I'm just kind of waiting until I feel like I have a leg to stand on before I start making business cards and I start letting people at home. Because the last thing that I want is to start up this business and have it be just ragtag and like, well, hey, can I hear something that you've recorded before? And I'm like, oh, yeah, but don't pay attention to the mandolin track. It's not mixed yet. And, you know, just have all of these second thoughts about myself instead of, all right, here, take my business card for, you know, Riverside Records. My name is Dylan and I'm the um, the engineer and uh, producer in this uh, the studio and be able to run them through, give them like a studio tour show them my portfolio, have a website that I, that I can refer them to, have a website that has several of my mixes and projects on it so that they have reference of, is this going to sound good with my sound? And so as of right now, um, and, and I'm also um, Thursday starting two classes for audio production at Front Range Community College. So hoping to get a little bit more knowledge under my belt. And at the end of this semester, maybe I'll start taking things a little bit more seriously. Right, right. Well, I would say you have taken things seriously in the sense that you're, you know, you got the day job, you got the stability, but you've also got, you know, people you've been working with and, uh, you know, you've been actively doing tracks and stuff in your studio. So that's, that's really good. And there's something to be said about runway too, right? Like, so, uh, and, and what I mean by runway, you ever listened to the six figure, uh, studio podcast before home studio podcast? I don't believe so, actually. They're really great couple of engineers that talk all the time, and they're they're great. Uh, but they talk about this concept of runway where, you know, like how many months of income do you need from your day job, right, and your studio projects to put you uh, six months to a year of expenses paid in advance so that when you do finally leave your day job and go out full time in your studio, you have so much runway so that you can actually begin to fly, right? So it's a, it's a nice visual concept you know conceptually you know you know what i'm saying like yeah i think that's a that's a really good way to put it and it was kind of just like another way of wording um just how i had said that you showed me the way to get into this whole thing without burning yourself i think that i think that 
a lot of people's mistakes is that is exactly what I was running into where they were like, I'm failing if I don't get into this right now. And they're not willing to accept the fact that certain work has to be put into it. Um, certain preparations have to go into it. You have to get a certain amount of experience and you can make it your side hustle for a while because, you know, I, I think these people that are like, I have to make my passion, my career now, and they fail in it, mm-hmm. it, it ends up ruining that passion for them. And they say, I can't do this anymore. Oh, and then and, they quit. Right. And then they quit. And so I think that the, the better headway that you can give yourself. So, and the, the more room for error you can give yourself is, is the best thing that you can do. Right. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, and so you hear that folks, you know, you can have a side hustle and it's okay. And a day job too. <laughs> so, and, and that's me too. Like right now I'm still in it and I still, I'm still doing all my drum stuff on the side and I'm working toward that, that launch. And so you just gotta, rather than dive off the cliff and pray the net's going to appear. Although I think some of that's necessary. You, know, you got to overcome fear at some point. It's still good to be prepared and some somewhat level-headed, I think, about it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you said you were taking courses in college for production starting next semester, uh, working toward your degree. So um, tell me more about that. What's going on with that? So I'm actually blessed enough to have the opportunity. Um, so I'm going for a degree in uh, computer information systems right now. And uh, I was going for a networking degree prior to this, but it just wasn't allowing me the same freedoms that I could take with this one. Um, I get a little bit more freedom for electives, and I'm not um, taxed down to a certain agenda where I have to take this specific course and this specific course. They're like, hey, take anything in in the networking field, take anything in the the, um, computer information system field, you know, 101 to 999. And they just let me make a little bit more of my own decisions with this. And one of the the opportunities that I got with this degree was that I have nine approved credits for anything, anything that the school teaches I can take. So I said, you better bet I'm taking some production courses. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm getting my money's worth out of this degree. <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> right. And so it's like I've been slaving through all these other courses, just not really enjoying much of it passing it but i'm just like oh it's another day here in security plus class and (laughs) now it's like every day i'm like oh my god thursday's coming up i get to go and play around with a uh, 28 channel mixing board i get to go um you know learn about mic positioning i get to learn about um you know like chaining and other other sorts of mixing techniques and it's just so cool that I'm getting former, like formal education for uh, something that I've just been teaching myself for like six years now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Would you say that your IT experience and training that you do that is not so exciting all the time, obviously Security Plus can be kind of dry, uh, is really like beneficial? Like, does it help you in your musical uh, endeavors whatsoever? Sometimes it does because, um, you know, I'm going to contradict what I said earlier here. Macs are not problem free. Uh, <laughs> right. You'll, you'll find uh, every once in a while that there's a problem with your audio. You're like, why am I clicking record? It's set to it's like my track is armed to record. Why is it not recording? And you have to go into basic troubleshooting steps and figure out what's wrong here. And um 
being in IT and teaching myself, um, you know, start with physical, go up from there, uh, you know, is everything plugged in? Okay, everything's plugged in. Okay, well, is everything set to communicate with each other in my my DAW settings? Oh, well, there's the problem. And it's, you, you kind of develop a, um, a way of going about things and problem solving that I probably wouldn't have had prior to this career in IT. Right, right. Yeah, you should make a course called the uh, OSI model for musicians or something. <laughs> Man, we'll do that on the we'll do that on the next podcast. <laughs> right, that's funny. All right, so I'm going to switch gears here a little bit, and I'm going to get into like some actionable steps that you took or framework that you used that allowed you to hit some of your goals. Kind of getting back to music and this whole this whole thing. Uh, so, so what strategy or actions did you take to get you to your desired outcome? Uh, oh man, it was probably the hardest, most stressful year of my entire life. And I kind of had to put everything on hold for a year, but it ended up making everything so much easier in the future. And so that whole year that I had to put everything on hold, um, so I was living up in Estes park where you are now. And, um, there were, I think you had the only it job in that entire town and, (laughs) You know, seeing what you went through there, I was absolutely not going to apply to that. And I had actually just got let go from that company at the time. Like, uh, so, I mean, there was no applying for that position anyway. So I said to myself, okay, well, I've already got, I think it was at the time, like 14 credits of college courses under my belt. Um, it was mostly in like CompTIA A plus and network plus and stuff like that. So I was like, surely I can find some company that's willing to, to wing it and give me a chance here. And, you know, just recently lost my job in housekeeping. There wasn't too many jobs to be found in that town. So I was like, why am I going to waste my time trying to work another dead end job where I'm going to be in the same boat? And instead I was like, well, I'm going to use this layoff as an opportunity to project me into my future. And I'm like, instead of applying for these other jobs that aren't going to fulfill me, why don't I just start applying for it jobs? You know, I I don't have my a plus yet. I don't have my net plus yet, but I have a little bit of classroom experience. And so luckily the first one that came around was I got a job at the college that I was going to front range actually gave me an it position, but that required me to drive an hour to the college and back every day for a five hour shift that I had once a week really wasn't really wasn't much really wasn't paying the bills. But I said to myself, I can make the sacrifice because after this, I'm going to have an it job that I can put on my resume. Right. And I worked that job for probably maybe about a month before, uh, one of the other companies that I had applied to got back to me. Lo and behold, that company was IBM. Uh, and I thought to myself at the time, like, oh, my God, this major computer man- manufacturing plant that's once been a, a huge name in the technology field mm-hmm. is actually interested in hiring me. Right. They did, they did hire me. I continued to go to college, continued to work that IT position at the college. And on top of that, I was working a full-time position at IBM as a contractor. And... 
I cannot tell you the amount of stress that comes with driving two plus hours to a job and school every single day of the week. I think I had one day off where I could actually sit at home. Uh And then that one day was spent hanging out with my girlfriend who lived in Colorado Springs, which was two and a half hours away. (laughs) So it was the busiest, most stressful year of my entire life. But at the end of all of that, um, I applied to, I think it was approaching 2019. Um, I had worked all of these positions for going on, uh, gosh, I think it was about six or seven months at the time. Uh And so I started setting out, sending out applications to other jobs. One of which was a place called Pharmaca and it's in Boulder. And these guys paid me a really, really good amount of money to where I could actually afford a place in uh, just outside of Boulder County. But, um, I started living in a, uh, an apartment. I had my own space. I wasn't, you know, bringing clients in to my parents' house and they're like, Oh my gosh, who is this <laughs> tattooed, you know, loser looking guy that I'm dragging into my parents' house. And instead of, I can just bring them into my own apartment, not have that judgment, work in peace, as long as I'm not pissing off my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my parents probably looks like a second twice or a second, you know, a second time some of my friends used to bring home. You know, just being in rock bands, it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know, <laughs> you know. I remember my sister one time, like you know, back in the '90s, and I'm going to date myself here, but you know, flannels <laughs> were flannels were like all the rage, you know, and we were just poor people. Like it's kind of like right before Nirvana came out, I guess '90. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. like like uh, you know, t-shirt jeans, whatever you could afford from the thrift store, whatever mom could get, you know, here's a flannel. It's mm-hmm. kind of cold. It's California. So you don't need a full coat. And, uh, I think everyone just kind of dressed that way anyway, but then like it became all the rage to be like all grunged out. But, uh, one, one of my friends came over to hang out one day to play guitar while I was playing drums. And I remember my mother or my sister actually freaking out going, Oh, the reason that guy's got long sleeves, man, is because there's needle tracks. And, <laughs> And, and you got to watch out for these drug addicts and, and, uh, you know, I'm bringing all these rocker people home and, and, uh, yeah, but you know what, that's, that's your parents to love you. <laughs> They're just protecting you. It's you like yeah. fact you put on, a, you put on a flannel shirt and you become Nikki six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You get your first tattoo that's visible and, and everyone has a cow, you know, but <laughs> that's great. So what was your, what was the payoff, man? Like, so you got the job that got you the job. Right. I'm hearing that. And then you you finally got your own place and you got your uh, own apartment. And you said you had like your studio in the apartment. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. um, you know, the the thing that this all led to was that I was able to even when it came to like. So I started working on my own music again at this time. I started writing again, started recording myself and it gave me more practice in the studio um, because I couldn't always have another artist over. So sometimes I was doing stuff by myself, but after this long journey of, you know, a year of just putting everything on hold, I was like, okay, I can breathe now. I'm driving 30 minutes to work every day instead of an hour. I'm, I'm not bogged down by two jobs. I've been working in this industry for a while. So I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm getting paid more so I can actually get gear. I have my own space so I can hit those high notes and not have to worry about my voice cracking and my parents laughing or, you know, whoever. And (laughs) so I, I just got, I got more confidence. I got more patience. I started finishing stuff. 
I started being, like I think I said earlier, I was more inspired by the sound that was coming out of my studio because it was quality now. And I felt like, okay, now I I didn't just spend eight hours on this track for it to sound like crap. It actually sounds like something that could come out of a semi-professional studio. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the result. I mean, that's that's what you're saying, right? The result of the action that you put in all that work, and you finally got this place to 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 record people yourself, others. You were able to. Yeah. You said start finishing some recordings. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Right on. Right on. And and so what else? Kind of what else came from that? So from there, it was like. Um, you know, after a while, and I think you've talked about this in your other podcast too, the, uh, the apartment recording process was just killing me. I, I could not do it anymore. Um, you know, the, the fact that I had digital drum technology was great. And that uh, without that drum tracks would have been literally impossible. And I, I wouldn't have finished anything. And so I was lucky enough to have that, but I e-drumming is so much more advanced than like, um, in, at least in my opinion and the, uh, software that I've come across, but, um, guitar modeling is not nearly as realistic. Um, okay. So I was, I, I was trying to do all this digital recording with guitars, um, not getting the sound that I was hoping for. And sure. I'd have this great sounding drum track, but I couldn't crank up the volume of my amp and do an analog recording of that guitar without, you know, pissing off either my upstairs neighbor, my next door neighbor, the people walking outside of my apartment, constantly gazing in and looking at me while I'm doing that. So I had to find something else. And at the end of that point, I got into a house where I have so much more privacy, um, I'm so much further away from my neighbors. I can crank the noise. I feel so much more inspired because I like my privacy. I don't, I don't like having to close the blinds and then have people gazing in on me saying, Oh, this guy's got a guitar. What is he doing in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, go ahead. So you're speaking to those pain points. Let's back up a second. So, and that's probably a great thing for the e-drum, e-drummer listeners here. So if you're in an apartment and you were stuck, you said you had great drum tracks and I want to kind of zero in on that for a minute. Yeah. So what was the pain of being, obviously you can't record, you're having problems recording your amp without issues, but then you had a drum set in there. Obviously real drums can't happen in an apartment. So, Mm -hmm. so, so what was the benefit of having an e-drumming kit? And, and yeah. So the, the biggest benefit, so for me, uh, as someone who's not really a drummer, you know, I, I think I've told you before I can do like your average, uh, four by four jazz track or, or uh, jazz beat, but I can't really play anything heavy. I don't know a lot outside of just an extremely simple beat. And so for me as uh, a writer and a guitar player, I didn't, I, I was finding it to be counterproductive to sit there and try to pluck out, uh, a beat on my kit when I didn't really know what I was doing and I could not write to a metronome. That's just not inspiring at all. So um, there's this great software or plugin or whatever you want to call it. That's in um, some of the uh, the programs that I was using. Uh, It's called easy drummer. And so you can basically just program a beat 
so that it sounds more realistic and more lively than um, just like a drum loop you'd pull off of YouTube or anything like that. And it was getting me to write and getting me on a working um, schedule so much faster than it would have been if I was like, well, let's try to feel some sort of inspiration from a click track. And <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And then um, on top of that, you know, when I, that's what I was basically only using this e-drumming thing for. And I remember having you over to um, my parents' place one time when I was just going straight analog in with the drums, uh, just a quarter inch from the brain into my audio interface. And you're like, dude, this sounds awful. Why don't you just use a, a USB? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's when you basically showed me the magic of turning um, what you play on an, an electronic drum kit into MIDI tracks that you can then just go into this magic world of post-production. And you can say, do I want this kit? Do I want this kit? Do I want this snare? And you can customize it. You can mix it all instead of, I just got this analog signal coming into my computer that has awful stock sounds on it and i'm just gonna have to accept it as is right right so and it's like you can you can kind of turn like with those capabilities there you can turn the world's cheapest electronic drum kit you just bought it at goodwill used for 45 <laughs> bucks it's got tons of stickers all over it and it's sticky and it's just gross but as long as it's got a usb output in the back of that and you have something like GarageBand or Logic or whatever, you just turned it into a whole new thing. <laughs> right. So you're, you're talking about the thing that I'm really into right now and I've been, I've been going into it. So from a, product, a producer's ears, right? Easy Drummer, uh, drum, drum, uh, drum Kit from Superior 3.0, I think is what it's called now. Uh, Steven Slade Drums. Those things are far superior in your opinion you think then say the electronic drum stock sounds of most electric kits. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, I mean, so, I mean, you can, you can customize each part or each piece of your electronic drum kit, but I'm like, I wanted a, uh, a snare rim sound that sounded like an actual snare rim. <laughs> the stock sound sounded more like a cowbell. And I'm like, how did how does that match up? And <laughs> that's not going right. to get me a good recording. That's not going to be believable. And, you know, I think it's, you know, even as someone who's not a drummer, I'll listen to, um, an actual professional studio, um, production. And I'm like dissecting it because I'm, I'm a producer and I'm just asking myself how they do that, how they record this. Right. And you can, you can usually almost always tell, depending on on the software they're using if it's an electronic drum kit you're just like oh something right. just doesn't sound right about that <laughs> right right machine gun snare drum or machine gun rolls or something yeah, to me the exactly. symbols to me the symbols always sound less than rea realistic all the time so you can really tell like if it's a you know if it's a superior 3.0 kit the symbols sound stellar and i almost can't tell that it's a superior 3.0 i'm like was that analog was that a real mm -hmm. recording you know um, and then you just get some that just sound like a, like an Alesis HR 16 drum machine from like 1989. And you're just like, what is that kick drum sound? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. 
right, right. And it's not to say that some rolling kits that are high end don't have great sounds, but um, I, I do believe, my personal opinion is that if you're a, a drummer out there and you're trying to record drums quietly in an apartment, just like Dylan's doing here, uh, if you can marry an electric kit to a uh, virtual drum kit of some kind, whether it be Easy Drummer or you know, Steven Slater or Superior 3.0, something just pretty, really decent sounds, got a good reputation. Then you're, you're never going to go back because it's, it's amazing. Uh, that's my opinion. And you, and you, do you use your electric kit in your studio for other drummers to come in and play on or when you're doing some recording for other bands or whatever? That's primarily what I even got this whole thing for was for other people. Um, because I'm not a drummer. I've tried learning before and I, I just can't coordinate all my limbs into playing one instrument. I'm just like, hands only that's that's my thing right so um uh, every time i've had other musicians come over it's just been great um because you know we'll uh so i've got a buddy um dustin cole he's the main guy that i get in for all of my recordings if, if i'm doing anything for my own um personal writings he's usually my studio or my uh, my session musician who comes in and lays down tracks for me if i if i don't have the chops to play a mandolin track or whatever he can lay it down multi-instrumentalist guy cool yeah exactly and so you know he's coming in and he's he's been working on this full length um solo album right now and um so typically just to get the process started we're like okay well we generally know it's going to be about like 120 bpm maybe we, we experiment around with the bpm we're like well 115 fits better whatever and so um he doesn't know exactly all the cadences and all the transitions and everything that he's going to need to play because he hasn't laid down all of the other tracks yet so what we'll do is start it off by putting in an easy drummer track just so we have a drum beat and yeah. and we can customize it to be louder complicated uh softer simple whatever just to get something on there that he can play to once we get probably it's usually about like guitar bass and mandolin or guitar bass and vocals we'll be like okay time for drums and we were able to lay that whole foundation of all the other instruments on there just because we were able to pluck out a drum beat right then and there almost effortlessly yeah yeah and so then he can go in after all that else, everything else has been recorded and say, okay, this is where this needs to go in. I can add my fills here. I can stop here. I can add rests here. And he can get more calculated with how he wants to write this drum beat. And then typically, I mean, because he's, uh, he can play almost every instrument under the sun. He just, he can hop on that drum kit. I'll select um, an E kit for him. Uh, some whatever matches his sound the most and he can just play out that whole thing and the nice thing about um about this is you know he's not he doesn't specialize in drums so sometimes it can get a little sloppy some of his fills aren't quite on point but then after in pre-production or post-production i can go in and move his midi um notes around so i can be like oh no 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 this just needs to be like uh, two uh, clicks over to the right and then it'll be on time. And so there's just so much more um, 
opportunities to edit and get it sound exactly the way that you want it to. Yeah, yeah. As opposed as opposed to like, oh man, I gotta do this whole section over because I messed out messed up on this one roll. Yeah. Plus you can change drums out too if you decide the snare drum's just not fitting, you can flip it to something else or Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I got what you're saying. Right on, right on, man. Cool. So so the result of you taking all that massive action was allowed you to basically finish some recordings. You said uh you know, you were able to have a studio in the apartment. So while you were in the apartment playing on this kit, um, were you – obviously, did you ever have any noise complaints from that alone? Mm, not a single one. Got plenty of noise complaints about my singing. Got plenty of noise complaints about guitar, uh, mm. especially bass. Oh, my God. They <laughs> hated that bass cabinet. It carried? But, yeah. Um, never once did yeah. I ever get a complaint from that drumming because okay. – you know, if, if for me, um, my kick drum for my, um, my E kit has, uh, like little spikes on it so that it can grip into the carpet more. Yeah. And so I laid down like a, a rug even on top of the carpet underneath this thing so that, um, it can have something a little bit grippier to stick into. And that on top of gripping my, my kick drum basically created it so that, it was just a, a bigger cushion so that I could whap on those drum heads as hard as I wanted to. And most of that shock is going to get absorbed into the rug and it's not going to travel into the floor or up the walls or into the ceiling. Right. And because I'm recording this whole thing on headphones and all of my sound is coming through headphones, no one can hear any of that. Right. Right. Were you downstairs or upstairs or where was your apartment located? I was on the ground floor and, um, paper thin walls, Oh, oh my gosh! Like <laughs> I, I could, I could hear my upstairs neighbor coughing. <laughs> oh wow, wow, wow! That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, now that you're in a house, man, would you see? Do you still, do you still utilize the electric, the e kit, and the uh, virtual drums? Yeah, and you know, uh, right now, it's just because um, I have my studio um, in a spare bedroom. So you know, ideally, I'd love to have the studio in a basement and a very large, expansive area and have tons of room. So that I can have a full kid, I can have all the mics on it at all times, but I just don't have the space for it. So yeah. having having a kit that I can collapse and put in the closet if I wanted to and have it just kind of folded up in the corner until I need it and then I can just access it right then and there. Right. It's just it, the convenience of electronic drum kits is I think totally underappreciated. Yeah. And, you know, you just I think that a lot of people just get that stigma of what we were just talking about, where they'll start playing it and they're like, oh, these stock sounds are awful. And yeah. And, you know, like like the reoccurring thing that I've just been saying is when when it doesn't sound inspiring, it's not going to be inspiring. So, yeah, yeah, it's important too, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so you, you get these drummers that are like i think that there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that if you're going to get an electronic kit you need to get some sort of software or plugin or whatever to expand all of the noises that you can get out of that kit and um for you like steven slate or even easy drummer easy drummer is nothing compared to steven slate but even then you're going to get a much more believable tone out of those drums than you are from the stock sounds. Yeah, it's pro quality sound. That's the big difference, I think, honestly. Like, you know, you could you could go do the electric kit thing, but it might come out sounding like '90s, like Latin yeah. Latin music or something, you know. <laughs> uh, and 
It's true. Like any restaurant you've ever been to probably has some of that going on with the electric mm-hmm. kit. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I, so I used to be a purist on drum set and I, I was always like, no, I'm going to mic my kit. I'm going to mix it my way. And I think the biggest thing for me has been realizing that after I switched over from being, having to be in an apartment and having to find a kit, I've talked about it in previous episodes, just that I can't tell, I use Steven Slade drums and I, I would use Superior 3.0 and a heartbeat too, depending on the application and the style of music. I can't tell those aren't real and I can't get, even with the biggest investment in preamps and the biggest investment in mics and like a great board and like, I'm still not going to be in a great room because I'm in a house, right? Uh, especially when I was in my apartment, like forget it. You know, I'm never going to get that sound that I can get out of these virtual instruments. And I think marrying the yeah. e-kit to the virtual uh, drums is, is just like, it's epic. It's it's for instance, like if you're a, a Zep fan or a Motley Crue fan, the, some of the modeling that they do, uh, I'm going to call it modeling for, from line six, uh, habit, you know, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. guitar stuff, but, but, you know, they do have kits that are artist kits. It's like, you know, how often do you get to sit down on Motley Crue's kit, you know? And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and play. That's insane. You know? Um, so, your massive action resulted in you being able to record. I've said this about, I guess, maybe three times now, but it's <laughs> it's like you were able to purchase your gear, right, and and uh, move forward with your studio, and that's that's a pretty good uh, result of of all that work you put in and all those two hour drives and going to school and everything. So, have you helped anyone else? Uh, and if so, like, what were their results? Like, as far as like this world. So I, I mentioned uh, I mentioned him earlier, but um, Dustin Cole. By the way, look him up at, at after the end of this podcast. Anyone who's who's listening to this, he's uh, one of the most talented musicians I've ever had the uh, uh, the grace of working with. So he, where, where is he at? Where is he located? Like, he's based they? out of he's based out of Lions. Um, also a former Estes Park guy. We're all just in the Estes gang here. Um, okay. All right. But uh, yeah, he's he's in the Lions area, and um, basically, I I do a lot of production for him he's uh he is a full-time musician for the most part um i mean he has a, a day job where he does moving and stuff like that but it's uh if he's not doing that he's performing live music and it's almost every night he is one of the most consistent people i have met that is absolutely dead serious about making this a career so um being that he's putting everything that he's got into this music career, I understand he doesn't have a ton of money, which is exactly why I didn't put all of my my eggs into this basket. So I said to him, let's work out a deal here. Um, I understand that you don't have a ton of money to work with, and I don't have a massive um, uh, repertoire of artists that I can work with. I can't just call any old person cause I don't know that many musicians. I just haven't made that, that kind of connection yet. So mm-hmm. being that he's a very close friend, I told him, how about you come over here, you build my portfolio and I'll do your projects for you. No charge. Oh wow. And, and that has allowed him to be heard. That's, you know, like he, he moved away from his home in Illinois um, years ago. And his mom was one of his biggest supporters. We'd go to his shows all the time. And now that she's not able to go to his, her son's shows, I'm able to, you know, 
send him these recordings that he can then send to his mom so she can still listen to her son's music. And it's like, I'm so happy to do that for another person. You know, like I have my day job. I don't need to get paid for this production at this point in time in my life. So I'm so much happier to give that gift to someone else that, you know, hasn't taken a year out of their life to get a solid career that can allow them to do this. They haven't um, invested, like I said, tens of thousands of dollars into their equipment. They haven't, they don't have a whole recording space. And for me to say, come on over to my safe space. My neighbors aren't going to piss us off. They're not going to bother us. They're, you know, we have all day to do this. I'm not charging you by the hour. So there's no pressure on you. And this way it's conductive for, he's getting the best quality tracks that he can get. Cause he's not like, Oh my God, this is my third take on this guitar track. And you know, yeah. I, I'm about to reach my hour threshold where I'm going to get charged 60 bucks. And right. So it's giving me the best examples that I can put in my production portfolio and it's also giving him music so that he can be more successful he can go to these gigs he can have links to give people he can give business cards say hey check out my band camp and download my album you right. know, whatever it is and um I, i've i've been reluctant to do that for other people just because man the the uh the studio work ethic that this guy brings over here is just crazy um, he's just ready to get to work right away. And I'm not willing to do that for someone who's like, okay, time to come over. I know it's Colorado. So I'm going to spark a joint in your driveway and then stumble upon my lyric or stumble all <laughs> across my lyrics throughout this whole thing. I can't get a solid take cause I'm too high and I'm not taking right. this whole thing seriously. And you know, just cause you're doing me a favor by having me over here. We're just hanging out. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not like that. So the big, the big, right, 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 right. So the big, the big, I guess, benefit to having him work is he's coming over and he's doing good work. He's, he's serious about it and, and you're able to get mixing experience, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Do you guys do different styles of music? Yeah, we, we do a lot. And that's another thing that I'm happy about is because it, it, it's, I don't just have uh, a production portfolio full of rock tunes so that, you know, if this Western country artist comes to me, I'm like, oh, well, I hope you like the Grateful Dead. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And, um, you know, he's, we're working on funk tracks. We're working on bluegrass tracks. We're working on metal tracks. We're working on classic rock tunes. We're working on like Latin fusion stuff, just right. stuff that's all over the place. And huh. it's just giving me more of a variety to show people. That's great. So, so it gives you also extra experience kind of working on different styles of music and probably different mixing techniques and whatnot. Yeah, and exactly. I can see where that would be a good benefit for your portfolio and then a good benefit for him to, to build out his, you know, music as well. That's cool. And I would, I would encourage anyone who's just starting out in this whole, uh, recording thing to find themselves a Dustin, uh, try to find someone who can play the notes for you while you're trying to figure out your digital audio workstation, because trying to, uh, stumble through all of that while you're recording your own music can be very frustrating. <laughs> so, yeah. It's kind of like you're wearing both hats and just going to town. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pivot to the next, the next set of questions. Um, if that's all right. So what end yeah. result did you accomplish and achieve, uh, you know, 
for this, you know, for like, you know, your professional results as well as your, your personal, you know, desires or whatever. So I feel like, um, I'm starting to get more experience. I'm starting to get more confidence in the studio. When I have sessions, I'm able to put on that hat and just like, I, I, I'm no longer your friend. I am a business colleague and we're just going to get right into this. And I'm able to not second guess myself. I'm not getting so frustrated when, you know, um, you know what we were talking about earlier, like, oh, I'm not getting a sound out of this track that's armed to record what's going on. Right. I'm like, okay, we'll just think about this in a logical pattern. We'll figure it out. And I'm able to get through things a lot quicker. But, you know, my end result, I feel like really hasn't come yet. Um, I'm still working on it. That's why I'm taking these courses right now. Like I was telling you, I'm trying to, uh, the way that you worded it, I'm trying to make this runway as long as possible so that I can ease into this and, not be unprepared. Um, right. Right. But, but this whole thing ha has allowed me so much more prep time and so much more practice. Okay. Okay. And, uh, so are you at this point in, uh, while you're building your, your portfolio, are you charging clients yet? Only some. And it really goes down to that whole thing that I was just talking about. Like mm -hmm. if someone wants to come over here and mess around and they're like, Oh, I'm just hanging out with Dylan for the day. I'm charging you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Well, cool. Um, cool. Yeah. It's, I, I value professionalism and, um, you know, it, it, there's nothing more frustrating than, so I had a client, uh, in here a while back that we started out the, the production process and, you know, I, I'm asking him, okay, well, what's the song about? What's the tuning? What's the BPM, all this stuff. And he's like, I don't know what the BPM is. And I'm like, well, why don't we figure it out real quick? And we record a rhythm track to, uh, like a metronome. He's like, no, I can't play to a metronome. And I was like, wow. okay, well I can, I can plug you out a drum track really quick and easy drummer. If that's going to help you a little bit better. He's like, no, don't, don't waste your time. Don't worry about it. We're going to, it'll be fine. And I'm like, I don't think this is wasting time. I think you're going to waste a lot more time if you don't get this on time. It said time a lot in that sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's anyway, hard. Yeah. So we're uh, uh, probably six hours into this whole thing. We've got nine tracks all laid down, and he's trying to get this one transition into the bridge to work, and it's just not going the way that he wants to. And he realizes, oh my God, this is out of time. I have several instruments that aren't synced up right now. What's going on? And I told him, hmm, you remember when I said record to a metronome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, click to, which then, to which then he says, okay, we just got to delete this whole thing and start over. And I'm like, you just earned yourself a, a paid session. Because uh, <laughs> I did not just waste several hours of my time for this. It started out as a, I'm doing you a solid favor by let, getting you a single out so you can get a kind of a sample of what the studio life is like. And I ended up charging him because I just, it, it was too frustrating. I, I was, I felt like I'd wasted all of my time, which is valuable and which I have, I felt like eh. when it comes to that sort of aspect, I felt like I've earned a right to start charging for my time, mm -hmm. especially if you're not going to start taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a hard one, man, because uh, you know, when you start out, you're, you know, am I, am I serving, 
like, am I being hired just as a, as a studio and like this guy's vision, however he wants to do it, it's what he gets, you know, like he, if they don't want to play to a click, maybe they don't. I mean, I, I've, I've known musicians to come in and lay down guitar scratch and lay down drum scratch, you know, and then, mm-hmm. and then record along with that. And it, yeah, it was live and it pushed and it pulled and it wasn't to a click, but they're able to get through it. And I've seen other people come in and just, you know, if they can play to a click and, and they, and they do that and they just rock it hard and it's just really solid, but sometimes robotic. Right. So mm-hmm. are you the producer uh, or are you just an engineer and, and how do you, I guess, I think a lot has to be said about what you agree upon at the onset when you start yeah. your session uh, for sure. You know, and I mean, from my perspective and my purposes, you know, for like e-drumming radio, the podcast, like I'm just doing session drums for people, but I will tell you that, if someone's doing a, a guitar track and they're sending it over, if the time is sloppy as hell and I can't, you know, it's hard to just stay to it, you know, stay with it and mm-hmm. stay solid for them. That can be a challenge, you know? And I think you and I've run into some of that before, but not in that, not yeah. in that so much of a way, but more like, you know, it's the clock, the clicks got to be pr- pretty much right on. And, you know, can a person play in the pocket? And then what is your role as a, as a studio owner? Are you going to be, you know, um, just being their engineer guy and whatever they say goes, or is it going to be, can, are you going to produce a little bit too? How much control, you know? Uh, Absolutely. It's a really hard, hard thing to navigate, I think, for some people. But uh, I can totally feel your pain <laughs> right there too. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's like, I never want to be that producer that's like, oh, well, you should do this because it'll sound better. Because I never want to be like one of those evil record company people that's like, yeah, yeah, I like your your original writing here, but let's make it popular. Let's make it more repetitive so that it catches better. Like, right. I never want to manipulate people's art. And, you know, if they think, like what you just said, is if they record to a click track, it's going to sound robotic and it's not going to sound organic. That's great. But you need to have the work ethic and the focus to be able to get through those times where you're not yeah. totally in sync. And, like... You know, for for him to have just said, no, I, I got this. Like, if he really had the confidence and he could have worked through it, that wouldn't have been an issue. But yeah, yeah. for this for this guy saying we have to, like, scrap all of these hours that you've worked listening to me play the same guitar track. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's like, yeah. that's just disrespectful. It's like, if you know that you can do it, then do it. But if you're like, ah, I'm going to wing it. Don't don't do that when you're on paid time or if you're using someone else's time to do that. This, I I think the best quote that I've ever heard is the studio is not a practice area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I was that's a good segue. So like you know you you want to be played for your time too. Like obviously you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know because you you know when when people have let's I'm gonna talk about this just real quick just a, a quick. Yeah comment on it like so imposter syndrome over having a a studio or you know being paid for your time people are Mm -hmm. like oh maybe what should i charge an hour you know and when you start to minimize your own pay and go low you just cheapen it for everybody else out there and what you're not thinking about and what you probably should think about is how many hours did you have to spend learning how to run your, your digital audio workstation? How many hours did you have to spend learning to mix? How many hours did you have to spend learning to mic instruments? How many hours did you spend? How much, you know, what classes have you taken? What have you paid out in online courses, college courses, et cetera, et cetera. When you add all those things up, there's no reason why you shouldn't charge the going rate for your area and, and expect to be paid and compensated for your time. I think that's honest and 
and realistic, you know? I, I agree with you. And, yeah. um, I think that the other thing that that goes into is it lessens frustration on mm -hmm. the producer's side of things, because, you know, if I was getting paid for that track and it, that was agreed upon right away, I'm like, fine, we'll delete your thing. Cause you're paying me for this. But, <laughs> You'd realize we just spent five hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like when, yeah. when you're not paying for it or you're undermining yourself for what, what you're, what you deserve for pay, you know, you'd be in a situation like that, like, oh my God, I'm going to have to delete five hours of work and I'm getting paid $10 an hour to record this person. And, yeah. you know, you just lowballed yourself, backed yourself into a corner for a project that isn't making you feel fulfilled. And you're working with a difficult person now who's not paying you the right price. And, uh, you know, going into your whole uh, imposter thing, I, I, you know, I'm still a victim of that uh, um, in the imposter syndrome because. Like I said earlier, I, I'm building a, as big of a runway as I can because I feel like I don't have a leg to stand on to say my my time is worth money. And if you're coming into my studio, you're going to be paying me. Whereas, you know, I want it to be like, I, I want you to pay me, but I also want you to see why you're paying me. Here's my portfolio. Here's my professionalism. Here's my business card. And without all those things, I feel like an imposter. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's not the business card either, in my opinion. I, I feel like it's it's really, why do they want to have quality music with you, right? And they'll say, well, I want my stuff to sound good. Well, but why, right? And I've heard mm -hmm. some, I heard those guys once say, like, on a six-figure home studio, those guys are great. You got to check that podcast out. Uh, and, and I'm not an affiliate, by the way, or anything. I don't get paid. Just go check it out. <laughs> uh, it's it's great. Um, they were talking about, like, no, but I just want, I want to be cool. Well, good. Like you're getting to the meat of it. Like, yeah, you want to be a musician and you want this song to sound like X because it's your vision as an artist. Good. Like, that's it. Like they want to hire you because they want that end result, you know, and, and just be mm -hmm. honest about it. You know, like we all have these visions or these ideas about if I, if I could be a full-time musician, this is what I would want to do. And this is how I want to sound. Maybe this is how I want to look. If you're, if you're that way, I never really cared too much about that, but um, you know, maybe not be as fat. <laughs> <laughs> right uh in the middle age is awesome uh so yeah so i don't know man that's that's cool dude that's cool someone i want to go and go to the last one so so how did you transform as a person during your journey uh in this in this whole thing what was your transformation? so it it definitely made me mature i i grew up a lot in this, especially in the, just the last few years, because uh, it was back in 2018 that I, I took that whole year off to better myself. And um, throughout that year, it taught me uh, to be humble. It taught me to appreciate things more because, you know, when I'm working all day, I'm working a 10 hour shift at IBM and I'm driving an hour to and from work. I get home and all I have the energy for is to like watch two episodes of, you know, like some stupid show on Netflix and then go to bed. And anymore, it's like, it's taught me so much more appreciation for the times that I get to spend in my studio. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, who, who cares if I didn't produce a whole track today? I got to sit down and open up logic and I got to, you know, say I got to just color code some stuff and organize a, a project that I'm working on. Great. That's, that's more than I got to do in 2018. So, you know, it's, it's helped me, uh, start celebrating, uh, the small victories and, you know, instead of 
constantly dogging on myself for, oh, why don't I have my business cards yet? Why am I not charging full time for this? Instead, I'm saying to myself, okay, Dustin came over and recorded a song today. Or, you know, oh my gosh, I learned this new thing that I can do with my um, guitar effects processor. Or, wow, I just had a breakthrough and figured out this new plugin. And, you know, it's just, you have to pat yourself on the back more often. And um, it's helped me to stop comparing myself to other producers or musicians or whoever and more so start looking at those people as inspiration. Right. Instead of instead of saying, why can't I do that? Start asking yourself in the same same question but a different context, why can't I do that? Right, 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 right. <laughs> different stressing it totally different. Yeah, yeah. So the so the big the big payoff, I guess, for going on that journey was like you need to be able to build your own studio. Now you're in a house and now you can work on things because you've put yourself in a position to be able to to work on things, right? To have time. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about that. Like, like taking action and, and dedicating yourself to, to the bigger picture, maybe, you know, that's great. Yeah. I think you, a lot of people don't realize that you have to work on yourself as a person the same time you work on yourself as an artist, because your art's yeah. only going to develop into something more complicated and more beautiful than it ever started with it. And when you advance as a person on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talked about like not comparing yourself to others, um, one of the guys that I like to read his marketing stuff is uh, Russell Brunson. And uh, they say in somewhere, one of his books, he talks about comparing yourself not to other people, but to yourself yesterday. And if you're a little better than you were yesterday, today, then you're, you're doing well, you know, and I'm paraphrasing the heck out of it and butchering it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was great because, you know, you could be like, you know, I, I got this gear now and I'm kind of learning it. You know, I finally, maybe I finally bought it all. And then mm-hmm. your mix on this song might not be as great as like, you know, J- John down the road that's been mixing for five years, you know, you're going to be on a, a certain point in the journey. And I think that could be said for anything, said for anything in art, music, you know, like, like if you're drumming, like you talked about mm-hmm. not being a non-drummer, I've heard you play, you're, 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 a, you're a pretty decent drummer and you have a, a uh, maybe a, what you perceive as a limited amount of things that you can do, but so did I at, at that point in my journey. And, and, and so does everyone, right? So we have to yeah. not compare ourselves to the guy that's better down the hall, but maybe let them inspire us, like you said a second ago. And, uh, you know, like, like yeah. just compare yourself to yourself. Are you making progress or not? You know, like quit being so hard on yourself, right? <laughs> exactly. You're never going to be as good as the next guy if you keep asking yourself, why am I not as good as the next guy? Right. You just have to. You have to make moves and say, Oh, I like that little thing that he did there. Maybe I can't play that other crazy thing, but I can figure out that little lick or that little fill or whatever that he did. And you just start emulating things that you appreciate in other people's art. You don't have to copy them. You don't have to be the same person, but use that as influence and let it drive you. Don't let it halt you and drive you away from things. Um, you know, you're, you're never going to get good if you let other people's talents discourage you. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. It's beautiful, man. Uh, so what's the one thing or pro tip that you would tell anyone just starting out with studio ownership or e-drumming? 
So I've prepared myself for this question and I, I'm kind of kicking myself because I think I said it all earlier, but just to kind of reiterate for anyone who's listening to this podcast specifically, because I know it's, it's based on e-drums. Um, my biggest piece of information that I'd give you is get yourself an electronic drum kit. If you already have one, just make sure that it, it's, it's USB capable. Make sure there's like a little USB a port in the back of that head and then get yourself a MacBook or get yourself an iMac. Even if it's used, if, if you go on macvoltrades.com, wherever you get this thing from, just get some sort of uh, Mac OS device that can at least support like, God, I, I would say High Sierra, but honestly, I, I like Mojave a little bit better than High Sierra. So if you can get one of the newer OSs to work on it, you can then get... GarageBand, which is just stock with any Apple product, and um, you can get a good majority of the functions that you get out of Logic, which is a pro professional software that a lot of people use in paid studios. You can get most of those functions, the exact same layout, exact same user interface, everything. It's all the same in GarageBand. So as long as you can invest in an electronic drum kit and an Apple computer, you can start recording. And you don't need anything more than that. Because if you have that electronic drum kit, you don't need an audio interface to capture the audio because you just go straight in through USB and it'll capture it as MIDI. So bottom dollar, I, God, I think you could get like a used uh, 2014 MacBook on Mac of all trades for easily easily under a thousand dollars wouldn't you agree brian yeah i would say so yeah and, and does garage band uh i'm not familiar with garage band i mean i know i know about it and i've, I've seen it uh but does it natively the free version does it allow virtual instruments does it yes that? um so that easy drummer software that i'm talking about is the exact same as it is on logic basically um i think logic is essentially like a paid version of garage band is the best way that i could put it because I was using GarageBand for uh, three years of production. I switched over to Logic, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's the exact same software. I just have a larger mixing board. I have more virtual instruments and um, oh, wow, more, cool. more plugins to work with. So, um, you know, if you just want to give a trial run of uh, a digital audio workstation or DAW that's just a little bit more professional than any free thing that you could download from Google, like Audacity. So it's just going to get you so much more further than you would from like, oh, here's my high school laptop that's running Windows 7 and it's got four gigs of RAM. And like you're not going to get anything good off of that. You right. can, but right. it's not it's going to be hardly usable. So, you know, the Bottom dollar, I think that like for just above a thousand bucks, getting a MacBook and an electronic drum kit and a USB cable is just about all you need to start recording drums. That's awesome. That's awesome. The right way, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. The right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's nothing. Again, I want to. I want to just kind of put a caveat in there. Like, I I love organic real drums. It's just if you're in an apartment, you don't have the ability and mm -hmm. and this is the answer uh, for that for sure. And then if you're in a house and you're trying to create create uh, wicked cool drum tracks. I mean, there's things like, you know, the, obviously there's the E-Kit and 
and easy drummer or uh, I use Steven Slate drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, my experience, uh, what was my point there? Um, oh, you can get an acoustic kit and mic it and use Steven Slate trigger and actually still get top quality drums. You just mic it your okay. cymbals. And that's, uh, that's for those organic drummers out there. I'm just going to throw it out because you know what? I, I, I know what it feels like to play a real kit versus play an e-kit. And there is a difference, but I still would rather have my stealth mode drum studio and, and play my mesh heads and, and, and do that. But there are times I wish I had my acoustic kit too and my real symbol. So, so I'm just going to throw out, you know, there's something called Steven Slate trigger where it's crazy. It takes the mic input channel of the, uh, of the acoustic drums, and then you can drag the plug in on top of that oh, channel. Wow. And it takes, and, and then it takes the audio converts it to MIDI and then triggers Steven Slate drums that can then be blended. So I know I'm probably blowing people's minds right now, like maybe even over their head, but you can blend the acoustic sound with the trigger and it's just insane. So that's just a uh, throwing it out there. Um, and the reason I asked about the, the, audio, the you know, the digital audio workstation, the garage band, mm-hmm. because my experience has been pro tools, cakewalk, and then studio one. So, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and you know it's like, I, and I don't mean to bash on um, organic acoustic drums either, because honestly, the the end goal is to, like I said, have that basement for my studio space, have a, a designated space to where I can set up an acoustic kit and have mics on it at all times. However, yeah. I'm lucky enough to where I scored an eight mic. Um, audio interface for 140 bucks and it's pre oh, That sweet. thing was $500 new and that's in the newest model and I think it, it goes dramatically. Like if you're looking at the same size um, audio interface for like Focusrite, oh my god. I think it's like $1,200 for that unit and so it's just, and then on top of that did or the, uh, the audio interface that you get, you're going to have to get eight XLR cables, you're going to have to get eight mics, you're going to have to get, or six mics, or however many you need for that. And it just adds so many more factors onto the whole thing. When if you, it's just more efficient to get that, that electronic kit and the, um, the, the plugins for it. So you can just start working and there's no well, I got the audio interface. Now I got to get the mics. Now I got to get this. Now I got to get that. It's just, it, it puts you to work so much faster. Yeah, yeah, and probably cheaper in the long run, especially if you go with used gear. Absolutely, I think that's totally true. Absolutely, totally true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, even if you did have all the mics, like I've I've been there and done it, and I had all the mics. I had new heads on the kit. Kit was tuned well. You know, good mics tuned going in. Still couldn't get like I, I got up to eight mics, and I still needed a room mic, and I couldn't get that big monster drum sound I wanted. And uh, you'll see it online. Google Steven Slate drums and uh, drum mixing. He'll take and take an acoustic kit and start replacing certain drums with samples like right away. And that's what they do. And so if you have an e kit and uh, a plug in, you you're gonna do it you know from the get go. So I don't exactly. know. Saves you time and trouble. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and who 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 doesn't like convenience in this day and age? Right, man. I'm all about you know because you can get in the way of the art too, like by having to overthink it, right? Or you know, mm-hmm. fight that buzz in the floor tom. Why is it buzzing? <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell is this loose screw? It's a spring inside the the lug, and, and yeah. Um, all right, man. So, how can people find out more about you and your studio? 
So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I just deleted all my social medias. You know, 2020 is, as everyone knows, very stressful. I couldn't handle everyone being at each other's throats anymore. So I'm off social media as of right now. Um, if you want to learn anything more from me, you want to get any studio work done, any advice, anything like that, you can always just go ahead and email me directly. Um, my email address is dylandsnyder at gmail.com. That is D-I-L-L-O-N-D-S-N-Y-D-E-R at gmail.com. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions, work with any budgets, uh, whatever you want to do. Um, okay. I'm happy to answer all questions. So. Great, great. So if you're in the northern Colorado area, if you're in Fort Collins, Loveland, anywhere up there in northern Colorado, and you'd like to work with Dylan, just reach out to him through email, and that's dylandsnyder again at gmail.com. All right. Cool, man. So uh, I think this went well, man. Thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast and hanging out with us today. And uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you and your time, man. Sounds good. Have a good rest of your day, buddy. And uh, anyone else who listened to this podcast, thank you for tuning in. All right. Cool, man. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the eDrum Radio Podcast. Get more fuel for your eDrumming addiction at brianedwardbaker.com slash eDrummingRadio. Until next time, thanks for hanging out.